Hey everyone, welcome to Behind the Scenes Episode 2. Now what you'll notice very quickly is that I've dropped a couple of episodes at the same time. Behind the Scenes Episode 1, where I was left, abandoned, stood up at the radio station. I also dropped Episode 3, which is the, the normal premiere content with Dr. Lindsay Wexler. But I'm also dropping this second episode of Behind the Scenes. I, I don't know what I'll call it. I'll call it the, the job search because I, I had a meeting this morning and we are currently in our department looking for a visiting assistant professor. And I think that one of the weird bits of the academic world, and, the, and there's a lot of them, trust me, there, there's a ton of them, weird nuances that don't really apply to other, other industries, other, other worlds that people don't really get is how the job search and the job market goes. And what's happening with, with higher ed in general is that we're seeing this really weird dichotomous relationship where there are, and on one end of the continuum, there are a lot of individual candidates that could be good fits at any number of places with a shrinking, and on the other end of that thing, a shrinking overall pool for tenure track positions. And, and you might have heard or might have been familiar with people or articles or news reports that say, yeah, the number of contingent faculty, so adjuncts, temporary faculty members, term faculty members, basically non-tenure track faculty members, um, has been growing because universities are trying to adapt the business model where they don't have to commit 20 or 30 or 40 years to a particular faculty member. And, you know, that's not unique to any particular industry. Um, we, we think about things like automation and how industry trends are moving in such a way that individual skilled workers are, are being replaced by some sort of process or processes. Good examples of that are, you know, Tesla, Amazon, Amazon factories in general. But anyway, on to the, the main thing that I want to talk about is that my job hunt, my job search was unique for a couple of reasons. And, and the, the path that I took to get to North Central is in some ways really, really conventional and in other ways not conventional at all. So I want to just walk through a bit of, of what I experienced as somebody who was on the job market for a couple of years, um, assumed the role of a non-tenure-track non faculty member, and then eventually transitioned into what, uh, what I'm doing now. So we have to go back. We have to go back in time, as, as Jay Cole says, like I do so well. And... In 2015, I was a second-year doctoral student, and as a doctoral student, I had been taking a, pretty much an, an overload of classes, um, which is a little bit different than taking an overload of classes as an undergraduate student because the stakes, for the most part, are much higher, and the experiences are just different. So I was uh, I was working as an adjunct faculty member at DePaul in Chicago, and I was uh, taking finishing up my coursework a year early at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, which was a choice that I made. I probably wouldn't recommend to anyone else. Uh, a colleague of mine, Megan Lambert's Berndt, uh, did that at the same time, graduated at the same time, because she's a beast and much smarter than I am. But I, I managed to stay in the running with her. Um, but my basic idea was that I wanted to finish PhD as soon as possible, which I'm sure most people agree with. That it's, it's an experience that you appreciate, especially in hindsight, but you just want to be done with it. You, you've probably at some point invested seven to eight to ten years in, in higher ed. And so I, I was ready to be done, which is, is the entire 
precipice and reason why I, I took an, an increased load of classes. So anyway, so I'm, I'm taking these increased load of classes. I'm teaching at Milwaukee as part of my graduate assistantship, and then I'm teaching at DePaul as an adjunct faculty member. But here's the catch. I was an adjunct, and typically, and it depends on where you are, adjuncts will teach a class a term. Uh, DePaul's on trimesters, which meant that during the regular academic school year, the nine or ten months, there are three terms. So an adjunct typically might teach one class in the fall, one class in the winter, one class in the spring. Me, however, in 2016, as I was dissertating and I was about to graduate with my PhD, I had spent that year teaching a 3-3-3 as an adjunct faculty member. So I was teaching far more than any normal person uh, within an adjunct situation. And when I say that, when, I'm, when I say that I'm teaching nine classes a year, what you have to recognize or, or talk about to some extent is that there are a lot of different positions that exist within the university system that have different designations. So quick cursory overview of that thing. There are adjunct faculty members who are temporary contract workers. They get a single contract. There oftentimes isn't, unless it's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, there isn't a guarantee of future classes unless you're an adjunct faculty member who teaches very specialized things. So if you are a journalist and you work at a place like DePaul or Northwestern or Loyola and, and during the day you are a TV correspondent and at night you teach a you know broadcasting class, that's... I wouldn't say that there's exact job security, but you have better job security than a lot of people. So I was doing far more than the, the quote-unquote typical adjunct faculty member. And unfortunately, a lot of adjuncts have to go teach one class at, at a community college, another class at another community college, and a third class at a four-year institution, and maybe a, a fourth and fifth class other places. So the adjunct life is, is not glamorous, but it, it's definitely feasible to make a, I don't know about a livable wage, but some sort of wage through that. So I was an adjunct, and there there were a lot of people who had negotiated and who were offered either half-time or full-time non-tenure-track gigs. And, and when I graduated from Milwaukee, I actually was offered a tenure-track or a, a non-tenure-track permanent position. It was a one-to-one year renewable contract, which meant that at the end of the year or leading toward the end of the year, I would go into contract negotiations, assuming that the university didn't cut that particular job. Um, I would I would go and, and I would basically either have to reapply or in my case, which isn't the case for everyone, I was just offered the gig and it was just this agreement. We said, okay, well, uh, your, your contract's about to be up. We want to keep you for another year and didn't have to go back through an application process. They, they liked me enough to make that happen and I nodded and smiled and, and I went for it. And so I was very fortunate in that way. And, and also the one bit that I will say, and I hope this doesn't come off, as as conceded is that I was very confident that I would be assuming the role was still there that I would be the person that they wanted in that role just by sheer virtue of you know my teaching credentials and my and my feedback from my students and and all the basic indicators that would suggest that somebody would be good at the job and the university would want to keep me so I was never really I was never worried about that Um, but as I was a non-tenure track faculty member with a, a three three three, so nine courses in a year teaching load. I also was applying for tenure track positions, and the process of applying for tenure track positions can be very laborious. It can be extremely daunting, especially if you don't. If you're in a position like me, uh, as a as a full time non tenure track position, you basically spend all of your waking hours teaching and grading and lesson planning, 
And thankfully, I, I had it down to a science because I was teaching the same types of classes every year. In my case, however, and sort of unfortunately, um, I didn't have a lot of time to do other things like publish articles. And that's usually uh, one of the main criteria that they look at for tenure track positions is that you have a strong research agenda. And I didn't really have that, at least at the time. It's, it's getting better. Um, because I was just teaching. I was focusing, all, literally my waking hours, I was focusing on finishing my dissertation and teaching. So I was in the applicant pool a number of times for different tenure track positions across the Chicagoland area. Um, I went on, I want to say, I probably applied to about six tenure track positions over a three, maybe four year period, let's say 2015 to 2019, pretty much. End of, end of 2018. So let's call it three and a half years. I probably applied to six or seven tenure track positions. Loyola, DePaul, North Central, um, Northwestern, UIC. And I had, of those, let's say six applications, I had five interviews. And I made it to the final round three times. Which, you know, three of, of five applications is pretty good. Um, and I, I was offered the position two of the three times that I made it into the finalist round okay and, and this is all just tenure track positions and that's something that people don't understand it's it's this really competitive field I, we're in Chicago in the Chicagoland area we're in this major media market which a lot of people don't think about this but if you have a spouse or a partner and you are a, a, an aspiring professor one of the biggest pulls of coming into a major media market Chicago New York, Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, is that your spouse, just by sheer virtue of how big the market is, could probably find a job in whatever industry they work. So if they're a teacher, they could probably find a teaching gig in the city or in one of the surrounding suburbs, which isn't the case if you go to, let's say, rural Wyoming and you get a job as an assistant professor if your spouse works as a you know creative director at a big agency you know, I don't know much about Wyoming, but I'm assuming that the likelihood of them finding a firm or a job in that specific field probably isn't very high. So, you know, we Chicago and and a, and a private institution like DePaul with all the credentials um, was it was a huge hotbed for talent, and you could see that you see that reflected in the current people that work there and the people that have worked there previously. It's this incredible institution with a great student base. It's a high paying gig. It's in Chicago, which is incredible. I'm biased. I was born and raised, but you know, it's, it's, so my application to a place like DePaul or Loyola or UIC, um, was against the best of the best. And the fact that I even got interviews is equal parts that I had a really, really exhaustive teaching portfolio and I had pretty good research as a new PhD grad. Um, but ultimately the, the kind of the, the big dilemma for me was that I had been focusing so much of my time on teaching that I didn't get to do as much research, which was the ultimate nail in the coffin when I, when I got to the final, 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 final interview process. So I bring all this up, sort of circling back, to mention one of the bigger concerns that we have in higher ed is that as we're doing this search for his for a one-year visiting assistant professor position, what we don't know, you know, roughly speaking, is that we we won't know 
who this person will be in the greater context of moving forward after that one-year position goes away. You know, what, what does this person do? And it's sort of a revolving door within higher ed where people, um, people accept a visiting assistant professor position for one year. They teach there. They try to make a case as to why they would be a perfect fit for the program. And then at the end of the year, or actually, let me backtrack, at the beginning of their teaching year, let's say they start teaching in September, they will start and go into the applicant pool for other positions in October or November. So what will happen is that they'll be teaching for you know, like two months before they are potentially being interviewed at the same institution for the next job because a visiting assistant professor line typically is a one-year, nine-month contract thing. So you're there for a year and if it doesn't work out, if you don't get the permanent job, if it's offered, you're just there for nine months and you get to see people coming in to interview for the job that you you wanted. And it's this really, really, really weird thing because in, in my case, when I accepted the job here in North Central, I had applied to a bunch of different places, but I was currently employed at DePaul. So I would see people um, apply and come in for interviews at DePaul and they would walk by my office and go into the big conference room and interview as I as I knew that I wasn't a finalist for one of the tenure track positions. So I'm looking at people coming in who are, who are interviewing, who are finalists, who are so happy to be there, so excited to be there. And I'm sitting there sort of disgruntled and upset that all these people are, uh, are the candidates for the job that, uh, in my mind at the time, and still, to some extent, should have been a finalist for. So this is really, really weird system that's in place. I accepted the job at North Central, I want to say the first week of January, and then I, I worked, and I talked about this in episode, episode one of Zach DeWitts, I worked for six months at DePaul knowing that I was leaving. And so other industries have this, this two-week-long notice. Um, and then and then you're gone, and that's it. And that's probably for the best. But I was there for six months uh, working in a job that I knew that I wasn't going to have at the end of the year. So all this is, is ultimately to say that the, the academic realm, the academic industry is weird. It's really weird. It's really, really, really weird. I am, you know, equal parts grateful and fortunate. Um, that's part one. And part two is the recognition that I have in terms of application materials, I have a really, I have a strong, compelling enough case to do the job that I do here at North Central. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative of the interview committee, who the search committee that hired me for making recommendations to the, the dean and then the dean ultimately pulling the trigger on a candidate that he thought was ideal or, or the best of that particular bunch. So uh, I appreciate that. Anyway, just thought I'd give you a little bit of behind the scenes, things that, thoughts that are swirling and looming in my head that I'm hoping to just kind of get out into, into the open. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>